Oh my god. Is this really happening? Did the last Ferrari just break down? I think you're right. The GT40 is pulling away. There's nothing stopping them now. Wait, what is Ford doing? Why is the race leader slowing down? It can't be. Are all three Ford GT40s going to cross the finish line at the same time? It sounds like you're right. What a way to finish the 1966 Le Mans race. A 1-2-3 finish by the GT40s. What a time to be alive. Hey everyone, welcome to a special series here within the buildup called The Teardown, where we take a deeper dive at cool engineering projects, designs, and fun phenomena across the world. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to our third episode of the Teardown Podcast. My name is Natash, and I'm always accompanied by my co-host, Abi. How are you doing, Abi? I'm great, Natash. And I know from the conversation we had before the podcast, you're doing amazing yourself. Oh, of course. I know it's been a long time since we actually recorded the Teardown, so I'm pretty excited about our topic today. For many of the listeners, they might have known or they might know about the topic that we're talking about based on the intro. But for people that don't know, do you want to tell them or introduce it to them, Abi? Of course. Today's podcast will be about the Ford GT, or I guess back in the 1900s, known as the Ford GT40. Do you want to go a little bit back on the history of the car and why it came to be today? Yeah, for sure, Abi. So back in the day, there was a race called the Le Mans, which was held in France. And it was a 24-hour competition, in which it's pretty surprising because it's not about the first car to finish. It's about the car that can travel the most within a 24-hour period around the same track, with no matter what the weather condition is, no matter what sort of race conditions there are, it's about the or testing the endurance and efficiency of a car. So at that time, there was a well-known team known as Ferrari that was winning the competition. And at that time, Ford was also known as the company that was just making the most cars or the one that every person had because they were just so cheap to get. So Ford thought it was a pretty good idea to maybe they could go into this racing world, but not through them, but through actual Ferrari. And they actually wanted to buy Ferrari. But do you know what happened, Ovi? I do, I do. So in 1963, Henry Ford, I believe the second, approached Ferrari because they were having bad branding essentially and they weren't selling as many cars and making as much money as they could be. So Ford approached them saying, hey, we want to buy the racing division from Ferrari, but you guys get to keep your commercial position of the cars. But in late 1963, Ferrari actually ended up saying no to this offer when originally they were going to say yes because they found a clause in the contract where it said that they would own the entirety of Ferrari, not just the racing brand. And let me tell you, Ford was not happy about this. So you know what they did, Natesh? I I do, but I want you to tell me. So what they did was they partnered with the company Lola at the time, which unfortunately does not exist today, to build a car to crush Ferrari in the Le Mans race. So what they did was they made the first iteration of the GT40. And you know what happened in Tesh? They made three of them, and they all broke down. Yeah, surprisingly, the first four GTs, or first four GT40s, were really, really poorly designed. In the sense, of like, their engine was great, right? Back in the day, when Ford was making their mm -hmm. Mustang, when they were making their really, co really good engines for their cars, they were performing really well. So they were on a straight, or on down, like, in terms of speed, they were fantastic. But in terms of endurance in, ter in terms of like how efficient the whole car was it was really really poor so they even in the first race that they competed in in 1964 it only lasted 12 hours 
But mind you, they built this car in 10 months. Enzo Ferrari and the team at Ferrari was perfecting their Ferrari car for Le Mans and any of the races for years. And for Ford to come in and use, of course, they have their manpower, the money and everything. But for them to come in in 10 months, make this vehicle was surprising. And for me, I think it's still an engineering feat to say because they were able to get the fastest lap in the, in the 1964 Le Mans and they were faster than any car. But because of the way the car was designed, the aerodynamics was really poor and even the efficiency or even like the manufacturing of the parts were really poor. They just couldn't, uh, it couldn't endure the entire 24 hours. I guess Ford learned a valuable lesson there where they realized that speed is not everything. Horsepowers are not everything. So you know what they did after that, Natasha? They hired Carol Shelby from Shelby American and John Wire, which was Carol Shelby's previous race manager when he won with Ashton Martin in the other Le Mans. And these two teamed up with many other race legends or even engineers at the time to build a Ford GT car. Literally the first thing that they did when they got the car was test the airflow and aerodynamics alone. Do you know how much horsepower they were losing just from the boxy design they had? I want to say like 50, but I'm, I'm assuming you know the right answer. It's a bit more than that, Natasha. It's 75 horsepower just from the design alone. Sure, they had a huge engine that was trucking a lot of horsepower, but if you're losing up to 100 horsepower, you're pretty much driving a box at that point. So they completely redesigned the brakes, the motors, and the body to get a staggering 450 horsepower out of the car. And on top of that, it wasn't even like a traditional way of measuring or determining the way the aerodynamics of the car was. You know, the typical race engineers, they have their mechanisms and everything within the car. But what these guys did was pretty interesting. They get a ball of yarn, taping it to the car and just seeing how the, the airflow goes around the car. And by determining where the lifting points were, they were able to see that, you know, the aerodynamics at these points were really, really bad. Because for some people that don't know, when a car is driving, there's drag on it. And typically what you want to avoid is you want to avoid something called a large wake, which is be, which is basically when the point at which the air doesn't slide on the car, but just lifts off the car, creating a lot of drag behind you, which basically means slowing down the car. What you want to do is be like a bullet or you just want to skim right through it, right through the air and making sure the air just slides all over your body and just you reduce the drag and you actually are moving at a really fast pace. So it was traditional methods like that that were able to sort of modify the car and improve it overall to get you know better durability, to get better endurance, and also to make it really light. The traditional GT40 or the GT that was made in the 1964 Le Mans was really heavy. Exactly. So what they did with this new design of the car with Carl Shelby in the picture is they took it to Daytona and they actually ended up winning that race because Ferrari's car broke down. So the competition was out. But you know who won Le Mans again, Natesh? Ferrari. Exactly. Ferrari still number one. Let's move to 1966, where Henry Ford II was no longer having it. He had to beat Ferrari this year, and he was not taking no for an answer. Shelby went back to work, and he bumped up the horsepower within the car to a staggering 485. The engine now has seven liter is a seven liter V8, and Ford also decided to bring in the NASCAR team to help out. On top of that, they actually had a really, really, really remarkable driver, Ken Miles at the time, where he was actually testing a lot of the performance of the car. Because they have these typical race engineers or they had the typical drivers that knew the car a lot more, they were able to understand better where the car needed to perform so that they could actually get the full strength out of the car. And then when it came to actually the engine of it, you made an interesting point. 
It was when they were doing the testing or the pre-testing at the Le Mans where they saw that Ferrari was really fast. So they needed to get an engine right away that was much faster. And lo and behold, came a 7-liter V8 engine that just blew the competition out of the water. Which is now illegal today. Which is now illegal today. You're, <laughs> you're right. They had, they, they had to ban it afterwards in the Le Mans races. So it went back to a 5-liter V8 engine. So like I mentioned before, the NASCAR team was not only there to help out, but they were also competing at the Le Mans the upcoming year. And as Henry predicted, Natasha, they finally won and beat Ferrari to cement the Ford GT as one of the greatest racing cars of all time. And after that win, they beat Ferrari three more times at Le Mans. You know what was the most interesting part about the 1966 Le Mans race? The 1-2-3 finish of the race was all by Ford GT40s. And they actually had a 1-2-3 finish perfectly lined up as if three cars were crossing the line together. And they did it on purpose. They did it on purpose so that not only is it, you know, really, really cool, it's an engineering feat and whatever, just, just to signify that, it's more like a brand for Ford. It's like they're all coming home together. They all came at the same time, finished the race at the same time. And it was an amazing, amazing picture, photo finish to see that those three Ford GT40s crossing the line. It was actually a beautiful picture. I do agree with that. And for those that don't know or that don't want to do a lot of the more research and everything, you could watch a pretty cool film called Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, it's not not all the details or like most of the details in that in the movie are correct. Of course, there's some dramatic things that are done to sort of signify the coolness of Ford and and you know bring in like more hype into the film entertainment for more entertainment exactly but the main gist of the entire movie or main gist of the actual battle that ford versus Ferrari was actually having was actually predicted by them or was shown really good by the movie i guess after the racing division though natash ford did again try to do the same thing in the their rally division to bring the gt40 into the rally division but never found that success again so i guess Ford had their one go with the car and they haven't had that hit ever since. Well, they fulfilled their purpose. Their main purpose was to redeem their honor that they lost when they wanted to buy Ferrari. You know, when Henry Ford went to Ferrari and had that whole dispute between them and Ferrari ended up insulting Ford in the whole process, Ford really took that to heart and they actually were successful in making such an amazing car. And on top of that, it wasn't even just a car that destroyed Ferrari. Uh, it was an engineering feat at the time. Like the significance of the GT40 lived on. A- anyone that remembers uh, the race that Ford did, they won't even remember the drivers. They remember the actual car. It was a GT40, which is interesting enough. It wasn't even supposed to be called the GT40. Apparently, there's a rumor that goes around saying that the GT40, the reason why it's called 40, was because it was 40 inches above the ground. Like the top of the car was 40 inches above the ground. And that was, a, that was a rumor run around and everyone still called the GT40. But from the beginning, everyone wanted to call the 4GT. Even the first iterations of the car, it was called 4GT1, 4GT2, and all the way to 4GT12. And after that, it was called the 4GT40. And which brings significance today, right? Like it's not even called the 4GT40 anymore. It's just called the 4GT. It is called just the 4GT. And in 2002, they decided to release the 4GT to the public. And they also decided to manufacture it between 2004 and 2006 to remind the world what Ford could do. This car had a 550 horsepower engine, which is 65 more than what their Ford GT that won the Le Mans had. And you were mentioning something interesting about where they manufacture it. Do you want to tell the listeners where they do it? Yeah, this kind of hits a little bit close to home, but 
after 2015, the unveiling of the 2015 Ford GT at the North American Auto Show, they actually decided to make the car close to home where uh, Natasha and I are close to this place. There you go, give away our addresses, but in Markham, Ontario. And they actually average making just under one car a day. You know what that signifies, Natasha? That signifies not that Ford moved away from their automation aspect, right? Exactly. These cars were built by hand. But when making these cars, they actually had to recall 200 of them because of a hydraulics leak. <laughs> that's actually pretty ironic. I didn't, I didn't know about that. Yeah, that's pretty funny, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wonder how close the actual design of the Ford GT was to the Ford GT40. I'm assuming really close. But it's, it's interesting to, to think about how the whole history of the Ford GT40 and like the engineering design behind it, you know, from the initial point in 1964 when they just wanted to make a really fast car, then scrapping it all down, doing a lot of engineering analysis on it, for example, changing the body uh, materials, changing the components of the braking system so that they could adjust that mid-race. Because during the Le Mans race, there are very few things that you can change, or there's very few things you can do in order to improve your car. Like you can do the typical stuff like changing the wheel, uh, you know, refueling and stuff like that. But Ford found a way where they could actually replace entire systems in order to just give more uh, life out of the car. Like, can you imagine midway through the race, you having, you're able to just change the braking system in order to basically get you a brand new car again. So things like that was, to me, I think an engineering feat and just signified the importance of, or signified the power Ford had, you know, like midway through the race, Mm -hmm. being able to do things like fly in different windshields and everything like that, because they had the money just shows that not only are they committed to the sport itself, but just shows that the amount of money and power that they had and the amount they wanted to, how badly they wanted to do beat Ferrari or even win that race. And they actually, and they did it in 1966 and four more times after that. I guess that's the beauty of engineering, right? If you put your mind to something, I'm sure you can figure it out. There's there's a science behind everything to making things better. And sure, eventually we'll reach a tipping point where we can't make something better. But if you really want to do it, you'll figure it out within the engineering space, which is why that, that that's something I love being a part of, right, Natash? And I'm sure you, you feel the same way. Oh, for sure. I mean, I give recognition to all the engineers that were part of the team, like especially Carol Shelby and his team the working day and night in order to make this car come to life it just brings it just gives you that joy of understand feeling that hey like this is how engineers are are when put into a competition and that's not to say what enzo ferrari and his team didn't do wasn't great ferrari putting all their money into racing that it's and all their money into perfecting everything in the car just shows how much passion they have and that's why we see that type of dominance in different different sporting events today like, for example, in Formula One, having all those cars, manufacturers come in because they just want to be the best manufacturer of a Formula One vehicle or even the other Le Mans races today that are continue that are still going on in France. It just shows how important or how amazing engineering could be in terms of just perfecting their design in order to achieve greatness, in order to achieve their goals. Exactly. It's, it's a great branding aspect for the, for the companies, but it's also a great branding for engineering and showing what we can do if we put our minds to something. Now, I have a fun little question for you here, Natesh. Since we're talking about Ford and Ferrari, if I put a Ford GT in front of you and the Ferrari, which one are you picking? For yourself to drive at home, you know, cruising down the street? I personally would want to pick the Ferrari just because I love the signature red look of the ferrari and i would love to drive that around 
But my engineering side of me is cursing me the inside and saying, why did you pick the 4GT, the one that's limited, the one that has a crazy aluminum chassis and everything like that? How about you, Abi? What would you pick? You know, I had a long think about this, but I, I think I would have to go with the Ferrari. Sure, the 4GT is a beautiful spectacle, but it's something about Ferrari, you know, the, the elegance of that brand. You know, Enzo Ferrari said it the best. They said, if you tell a kid to draw a race car, what color would it be? It'd be red. And that's what Ferrari symbol is. And it's it still sticks with me today that they said that he said that. You know, I know we've been talking about Ferrari, but not to put down the Ford GT. It is a beautiful spectacle of a car. And even today, it holds its value and increases in value, which is actually quite amazing for cars because most cars lose their value the second you drive it off the parking lot. Ford, the Ford GT is no ordinary car, right? It's no ordinary Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Not to bash on Toyota, of course. Of course. But with that, I think it brings an end to our another short teardowns that we do here at the Build Up Podcast. And I want to thank all the listeners again. And uh, thank you, Abby, for being my wonderful co-host all the time. Hey, I'll always be here. And we will try our best to have more episodes of these out for you guys because we know how much you guys are liking them. Thank you once again, guys, and see you guys next time.